Welcome to the Renewed Mind Podcast, presented by Jameson Smallwood, recorded live at Mount Olive Missionary Baptist Church in Woodstock, Georgia. Hello, everyone. This is James Smallwood, and I wanted to take a moment to thank each and every one of you for your continued support of the Renewed Mind Podcast. Whenever you have a moment, please visit www.renewedmindpodcast.com and fill out the comments page and tell me what you think about the podcast and think about the topics and what you think about the overall content as I try to continue to improve and produce a better podcast and a better listening experience for all of you guys who are supporting um, the digital ministry. Feel free to sit back and listen, and thank you once again for all of your support. I'd like to welcome everyone back once again to the Renewed Mind Podcast, and I am blessed to have a good friend of mine with me, um, a gentleman who is known nationwide for his work with uh, motivating men, um, going into churches and helping them to establish a uh, positive male presence. Um, I am here um, tonight um, with my good friend, um, Deacon Ernest D. Tinsley, and uh, he is the founder and the primary uh, minister with Bullseye Ministries, and he has graciously given me a few moments of his time this evening to sit down and talk to me about um, a topic I feel is very important, and that is how to motivate men for the kingdom of God, the importance of men in the kingdom of God. Say hello, hello to everyone, uh, uh, Brother Tinsley. Hello, good to be with you. All right, so um, just to just to get a little background here for the listeners and 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 to help everybody um, to understand a little bit more about you and your personal passion. Um, tell me some of the the background about your ministry, Bullseye Ministries, and 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 sort of. How did you come to the conclusion that you wanted to specialize in ministering to men? Well, my uh, my church life started actually when I was an adult. I was not raised in church. I was a member of a church in Phoenix, Arizona, and the pastor there, uh, Dr. Warren Stewart of the uh, First Institutional Baptist Church, uh, started a men's ministry in 1982. I became a part of that men's ministry, and actually got saved in that men's ministry. I had been going to church, but had, had not actually been saved. So I, that summer I was saved and baptized as a part of, as a result of being in that men's ministry. And I continued with that men's ministry. I was selected to be the leader of that men's ministry. And that's how I got involved in working with men. Um, it became a passion of mine. Um, I've had some friends suggest to me that the reason it became a passion is because that's where I was saved. But I've always enjoyed working with men, always enjoyed the team aspect of, of men coming together. And so it, it was part natural and part spiritual. But since the summer of 1982, I have been working with men and men's ministries, first locally and, and now across the country. Okay. And, and, and that story there is is different from... From I guess my own story, I came to know the Lord um, in in my freshman year in college, and it wasn't in an affiliation with a men's ministry. Um, the gentleman that shared the gospel with me, he came actually into my dorm room and uh, followed me down the hall after he heard me uh, talking about what I what I thought and and felt about God, 
And little did I know, I didn't know anything at the time until I sat down and started reading the, reading the gospel for myself and, and reading the book of Mark. So, you know, to hear you say that, you know, you were you were saved in that men's ministry, I think that's just a testimony to the importance of, of having men's ministries, uh, a ministry in the church that's specifically geared to men, towards men. Um, do you Do you feel that um, churches have a general understanding of the importance of, of, of why you need to minister to men um, in, the, in that kind of an intimate group. Um, I, I figure you probably have some thoughts on that as that's what you specialize in is helping churches to come to, come to an understanding of what it, what it takes to minister to men effectively. Well, I think anybody who's at all familiar with the modern church knows that uh, virtually every local assembly suffers from a, a lack of men and, and a lack of active men. Uh, the, the percentages are in the 25 to 30 percent range of the percentage of, of congregants that are men, and of that group, many of them are inactive. So I don't believe that churches uh, understand it, or if they do understand it, they don't care to implement any type of remedy for the situation, or perhaps don't know how. But I think that the lack of men in the church. Is, uh, is, is significant, is extremely significant, and uh, it affects our families, our communities, and our churches. I was having a conversation with the family, uh, about the family aspect of that, um, with a friend of mine, uh, today, matter of fact, and and she was just telling me about her own um, experience. Um, she's um, she's an African-American um, sister in, in, in the faith, and she was just saying that when she grew up in church she was never she was never greeted with that image of a bunch of men with their families in church and i think you know that's a similar experience of my own my father he didn't even go to church with us um growing up and uh my mother is the reason why i was even exposed to to the church and jesus christ um and it was because of her and i know in my home church um brother tinsley that we we have that same apathy, that same lack of male presence, so much to the point where I'm sure you've heard this that women feel as if without with because they don't have men in their churches, they have to assume more of the leadership roles, more of the more of the uh, I guess activity roles, more of the uh, the social outreach roles. They just have to do everything, and and and. When you see those, hear those numbers you're talking about, you know, 25% uh, active participation out of men, I don't think um, that's how God intended it to be. And I know that's some of the things that you've talked about um, in, in various workshops and, and, and the teaching that I've been exposed to that you've, um, that you've presented. So what are your thoughts as to how, 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 how men should see themselves in God's kingdom and their roles and responsibilities? I've had evolving thoughts on that over the years, but a couple of years ago, I read a book by Dr. Miles Monroe uh, entitled The Purpose and Power of Men, and I think he captured it well, and, and, and so I've adopted his uh, formulation for what men should be and for what God expects of men. He says that when God created the male, Adam, uh, he had six roles in mind for band. Those roles are visionary, leader, teacher, cultivator, protector, and provider. 
and I believe that, that he, he says, and I, I believe and agree, that, that men were purposed to fulfill those roles and as a consequence were designed by God, uh, equipped by God to be able to fill those roles. And, and, and if a man fills those roles in his family, he'll have a better family. If he fills those roles in his community, we'll have better communities. And if he fills those roles in churches, then the church will function as God intended. I suggest that the number one reason our communities, both the African-American community and other communities, are in the condition they are in is because men have failed to fill those roles. And the same would hold true for our families and our churches. Oh, wow. That's uh, that's profound there. Um, you know, I, I know I've heard it taught in church um, not not in not as intently or as intensely as I would like to like to hear it taught, but that men have specific roles that they must fill in the church, and you know I know that that is that is your specialty, and 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 just for the listeners, one of the things that really impressed me when I did have a chance to hear Brother Tinsley um, at a workshop um, here in North Georgia, I, I I got a chance to really see an image of the biblical male. And, and how men are supposed to be, um, how men are supposed to conduct themselves and, 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 and some of the biblical values that God tried to, tried, expects of men. And I think now, um, another conversation I was having with a friend, um, is just that the church and especially the male in the church is under the attack of, you know, pop culture. They're under the attack of, um, I guess a growing feminist movement in the church um, where men aren't encouraged to be masculine in the biblical context. Um, um, and, and I guess what I want you to, to kind of elaborate on, on for everyone, um, Brother Tinsley, is you, you said something really profound about Jesus and men and in particular how, um, how Jesus is the ideal man. Can you elaborate on on the importance of men understanding Jesus as the ideal male and, and, and talk about how we can see better how to be men if we look at Jesus closely? I think what you're alluding to is uh, one of the workshops I do is um, um, it's about the feminization of the church and, and how feminine values have come to overtake the church as opposed to masculine values. Part of it is cultural. We live in a culture now where men are encouraged to be soft, uh, and uh, with, with metrosexuals and, and men are encouraged to find their feminine side from a cultural point of view. And some of that does seep into the church. And then, of course, we have the feminist movement where women are told they don't need men and they should not follow men. And it's antiquated to believe that a woman ought to uh, follow the leadership of her husband. So all of that um, um, tends to uh, lead to a church where, where masculinity is not honored. In fact, masculinity is looked down upon. And uh, it goes so far as to portray a, a, a portrait of Jesus as being a very soft, cuddly man. But, but if you uh, actually study the Bible, you will discover that, that he was not cuddly, he was not soft. He certainly was full of love, but he was also a man's man. And one of the interesting um, uh, aspects of that 
is the question of whether Jesus comforted people or challenged people. I think most would agree that comfort is is more of a feminine quality and challenging people, like a football coach would challenge players, uh, is more of a masculine quality. And if you search through the Bible, you will find few instances where Jesus, uh, in a one-on-one conversation with somebody, comforted them. Uh, but you will find numerous uh, occasions where he challenged people. Uh, and and I, I like to look at his relationship with Peter. And on all the times that he challenged Peter uh, to be better and to do better, to stretch out. And, and, and even, even in the, uh, the, the story where, where Lazarus dies, and where if you ask most people um, um, how did Jesus respond to that, did he comfort people there? Most people would say yes. He certainly comforted Mary and Martha, whom he loved, on the loss mm-hmm. of their brother. But if, if you study the text, you'll see that not only did Jesus not comfort them, the text specifically says twice that other people comforted Mary and Martha. Uh, and if you know your Jewish mm-hmm. history, you know those had to be other women, and that Jesus used the death of his friend as a teaching moment, which is, which is uh, um, jarring to some people, but that's because mm-hmm. Jesus is about teaching and about challenging and about growing. And so, and so when we challenge people, in the church, I and mean, you can't do that today. Because if you challenge people, they they get offended. Mm-hmm. But 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 challenging people to be better and do better, holding people accountable, is it, biblical and it's in the model of Jesus. And and, and that was, is what needs to be taught uh, to our men and to our churches. That when you challenge people, that's not blasphemy. That's actually walking uh, in the footsteps of Jesus. All right. All right. That is exactly what I was thinking of when when um, I was thinking of the relationship of Jesus to to masculine qualities. And and, you know, we'll have to, you know, we'll table that because I don't want people getting your seminar for free. (laughs) So we're going to we're going to we're going to, you know, let them get a get a taste of that. And uh, for the for the rest of that seminar, that awesome, powerful and dynamic um, seminar. Um, they'll they'll be able to reach out to you, and we'll give them that information later on. So let me let me continue our, our conversation a little bit here, and and transition to talking a little bit more about you and and what it is that you do. If you had to sum up for you know for for the listeners what it is that you do specifically with Bullseye Ministries, how would you you know how would you how would you sort of Give your your tagline for your ministry. What it is that you do, and and the value that you add um, to, to to churches and, and their ministries for men. We assist churches in organizing or enhancing their men's ministry. We assist churches in helping their men develop into being stronger Christian men. We do that through uh, seminars, conferences, men's day speaker retreat facilitator. I also do some leadership training and some evangelism training, stewardship training, those types of things also. But but the main focus of Bullseye is, is helping churches with their men's ministry and with their men. Um, I do numerous weekend conferences throughout the year. Uh, I'm, many times I'm invited to, to do a, a, a half-day workshop on Saturday and then be the men's day speaker on Sunday. That seems to be an effective way of, of 
getting the message across to uh, to churches. I've, I've written a book on how to develop a men's ministry in the local church, and I've also written a work a workbook that churches can use to help develop their their boys, their junior laymen, to help them develop Christian character. Okay. Yeah, you've mentioned something there that I do want to touch on. Um, talk to talk to the to the people about um, your your affiliations um, within the larger um, church community nationally. Um, um, in particular, you did mention um, you mentioned the layman's uh, ministry. Um, talk to talk to the people and, and let them know what your affiliations are because they they, they are numerous. And uh, if I were to try to tell the people what your affiliations were, I'm sure I would I wouldn't do it justice. So um, let them let them know because we're going to talk about the layman and, and and the importance of of that structure and that ministry. And then we're going to talk about also how your materials and your book um, motivating and mobilizing men for ministry um, really really facilitates the growth and and the, and the dynamic empowerment of men in those different ministries. So talk to them, talk to them about. Your your affiliations nationally. I'm with the uh, the National Baptist Convention with the Layman's Movement. I I I, I, have, I wear several different hats with the National Baptist Layman's Movement. Uh, with respect to this conversation, I am uh, the director of local church men's ministries. And um, when when the National Layman get a request from a church uh, for help with their men's ministry, that request is is referred to me. And I work with the church on developing their men's ministry, sometimes through telephone conversation and consultation, but most of the time through an on-site uh, seminar and conference. I teach a class at the National Baptist Congress every June uh, entitled Organizing and Enhancing Your Men's Ministry. And the, the textbook for that class is the book I wrote that you mentioned, Motivating and Mobilizing Men for Ministry. I have some other hats that I wear at the National Layman's, um, but those are the those are the ones that pertain to what we're talking about today. Uh, I'm also part of the General Missionary Baptist Convention of Georgia, Layman's Movement. I serve as the Director of Education and Training for that movement. And I, uh, I've i only been living in Georgia for three years, but I feel like I've been all over Georgia uh, teaching, uh, teaching the same concepts, helping local churches, helping associations develop their men's ministry, doing men's conferences, speaking of men's days. Um, so I'm working with the state convention. I've recently been asked to serve as the president of the Seventh District Layman's Movement, which is a part of the state convention. And I did that because they wanted to get that off the ground. I told the, uh, the president and other folks that I would work with them and help them do that. So I'm getting that off the ground and uh, providing leadership there. Again, helping the church of the Seventh District, which is a portion of Georgia, uh, North Georgia, basically. Uh, helping them develop men's ministries in those churches. Uh, those are the three main affiliations I have right now. And see, he's being modest, so we'll we'll leave it at that. Amen. <laughs> but that's a uh, that's a those are those are those are three organizations that that um that brother Tinsley is, is actively involved in. And and um on a, I guess on a side note, personally for me, I'm I'm having an opportunity to do a little bit of 
of um, work with him in affiliation with the Seventh District layman, um, and 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 sort of as I'm telling people, I'm, I'm I'm being his shadow. I'm trying to be his Timothy while he's my Paul. So I'm uh, I've I know I have been greatly enriched just by the the, the few um, opportunities I have of have I have had to um, work with him. And support his his work in, in strengthening um, the the men's movements that um, that are that are that are growing in North Georgia and and um, all over the all over the country and and it's just been a blessing to to be a part of those things. Now let me just say you've been a great help and I appreciate you. Well, I appreciate that. That's a that's that's always that's always what you try and do when you help somebody is be is be somebody be the type of help that people want to talk about and say thank you for it, not the type of help that people say no we we can pass on that the next time he comes around so <laughs> now um i know there's a, a couple people out there who are probably like me who are um trying to understand this word layman so 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 brother tinsley if you would um be so gracious and define that for us so that we understand what is what is what is the word layman and and why is that applicable to anyone who's listening and and how how is that that word um descriptive of them because I didn't know what it meant when I first heard it um and and I'm I'm sure there's some people who may not know as well what's going on with that so broadly speaking uh, a layman is any man who is not a part of the clergy uh in the in the baptist tradition um, um people people get a license to preach, and once they get a license to preach, they are part of the clergy. Uh, uh, those who are who are not licensed are considered laymen. Um, and uh, so that includes deacons, that includes trustees, that includes any man in the church uh, who is not part of the clergy. Some would suggest it's any man in the church who's not the pastor. Uh, but those are the two different definitions. But it's not, it's not a designation that is reserved for specific men in the church. Uh, so again, you can be a deacon, you can be a trustee, you can be a fire member, a Christian head. Whatever you do in the church, if you're a man and uh, not part of the clergy, uh, you would be considered a layman. And then, and, and, and the reason that we have a layman's movement is, is because in a lot of churches, part of our culture, uh, men who are in the clergy are, are put on a pedestal, and men who are not part of the clergy mm-hmm. are uh, uh, thought of as being less than. And and it is that mm. me- it's okay. that message, it's that less than message that that cripples the church. Because if you tell a man he's less than long enough, he's going to believe it, and and then he's going to oh, act wow. like then he's going to act like he's less than. And, and so one of the things mm. that we, we, we teach men is that they are, they are not less than. That, that, uh, the, the lack of a license to priest does not render you inconsequential. And, and that you are still, uh, a significant member of the church and God is dependent on you, licensed or not. God is dependent upon you mm-hmm. to fill the, to fill the roles that he purposed for you when he created you. And so uh, that's why we, we, we really we, we we try to empower men, uh, but only to empower them to be what God intended for them to be. Churches have layman's movements, but again, that's not that's not a fraternity. You, you, you know, that's that's not something you have to apply for or, or cross some threshold to be a part of. Uh, if you're a man, 
uh, you automatically qualify to be in the layman's movement. And I've never understood why a man who is a man would not want to be a part of a men's group. Well, you have a, you have a, you have a, you asked a, you asked a great point there. And in that, in that question is a challenge to, to us men. Um, you know, we, we have to think of ourselves as just more than, you know, you know, more than just people who sit out there in the pews and hear a sermon, you know, and, and, you know, I think the realization that, that sort of helped prompt, um, you know, my home church to really begin and, and, and formulate a men's ministry was that we had a we had a, a women's ministry that's thriving and, and being successful at impacting the lives of women in the church, and yet the men we were sort of sitting back looking at their success, and and it had nothing to show for our own interest in in the Word of God and in, and in our relationships with God and and I think the the thing that's always clear in your message and you can elaborate on this a little bit more and and, and really really you know drive home the point, but. You said something in one of your messages that that really that really stuck out to me. You said that God didn't create anyone to sit on the sidelines and cheer people on as if we were sort of, you know, spectators at at the at the event of at at this event known as ministry and, and outreach, you know, that that I can play a I can play a role on this team in the ministry and focus on that very thing that God has built me and equipped me to do. And you know, it was that sort of realization that, you know what, I have a lot of talent, I have a lot of ability, and I may not have, as you said, a license to preach, but I can still impact people. And, and, and I'm grateful to say that this podcast and this recording um, endeavor that, that I've kind of taken off on for what I'm calling a digital ministry, um, meaning that, we're, that, we're, that there is no paper, there is no, there is no church, we're just on the internet, and we're ministering to wh- whoever will come. And that sort of arose in me out of that conversation that you were having with the men um, and some of those messages that I've heard and been listening to. So how, how would then you would, would you would you encourage men who are looking for their purpose, their place in church? How would you encourage them to go about looking for that purpose that God made them to fulfill? The first place you have to look is within because. God, and, and I teach this all the time, there, there, there's, a, there's a theological and biblical relationship between purpose and design. And when God purpose, purposes something for a creation, he designs it to meet, meet the purpose. And so for a man to discover what his purpose is, he needs to examine his design. He needs to look within. He needs to look at his gifts and his talents because his gifts and his talents are the key to understanding his purpose. And and, and 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 there are ways to do that. Uh, uh, prayer, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask God. So, so prayer is a way of asking God, uh, of, of talking with God about this specific question. You, you can you can take a, a self inventory of, of what do you like to do. I always tell people you can find out what you were purposed to do by asking yourself this question. If somebody called you at three o'clock in the morning and asked you to do it, would you be mad or would you be eager? Because if, if you're mad, mm. that's probably not what you were called to do. But if somebody calls you at 3 o'clock in the morning to do what you were called to do, uh, you might mm. very well be excited about doing it. I jump up all the time. Don't call me at 3 o'clock in the morning for choir rehearsal. 
That's a that's a that's a profound way of looking at that problem of discovering uh, your purpose and and discovering what it is that um that we're, that we're called to do. You know, as we've been talking about these ideas about the men's ministry, different men's ministry concepts, and and how to really minister and, and, and specifically target men. Let's talk about some of your material that you've got here. Um, you have written an an, an impressive book. Um, by the by, the title of Motivating and Mobilizing Men for Ministry, and I am in the process of finishing it up. And I must say that it's a it's a it's an enjoyable read. It doesn't read um, stuffy. It doesn't. It's not full of a lot of uh, of, of of intricate and, and, and entangling theology. It is very much to the point of how to get a men's ministry from 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 concept and theory into a dynamic group of men serving the kingdom of God. So if if you were to say ask someone how to start their men's ministry at their church, someone walked up to you and said, Deacon Tinsley, I've heard your seminars and I've heard your, your workshop. I want to start a men's ministry at my church. What would be the first bit of advice you would give that person? Why do you want to have one? My first question would be why do you want to have one? Mm-hmm. And that question goes to the question okay. of purpose um, because the first thing you have to have in mind when you start anything, certainly when you start a ministry, and certainly when you start a men's ministry, is, is what is your purpose? One of the reasons men's ministries fail is because no one knows why they have it. They, they have it because they always had it, or they have it because some other church had it, or they have it because somebody said they ought to have it. But they really don't have a clearly defined uh, purpose for the ministry. And, uh, uh, and if you aim at nothing, you you're bound to hit it. So, so that 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 would be the first question: Why do you want to have one? What are you trying to accomplish? Okay, okay. Well, I, I think that's a good place for us to to wrap up this initial conversation. And I'm hope I'm hopeful and prayerful that this will be the the first of um, of many conversations that I have as as um, as I continue to to do my own personal ministry work and. And try to glorify God. I can continue to reach out to you and and, and make myself um, make myself available for 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 you to, to discuss several different topics that you might find interesting. Um, before we go and and, and transition, um, I, you know, transition out of our interview, I wanted to 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 um, you know um, really give you a chance to 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 plug and and to talk about how people can get into contact with you. Um, I see that you have a website here, and the, and, the, and the name of that website is, or the address of that website is, www.bullseyeministries.com. And every time I hear that, that, that phrase, bullseyeministries.com, is a very distinctive name. I, I'm, I'm curious, how did you come up with the name Bullseye Ministries? I'm sure there's got to be an inter- interesting story there. Uh, well, I, I think it's interesting. I was um, uh, in a state convention meeting in another state many years ago. And, um, frankly, it wasn't very fruitful. And we were going around in circles. Uh, we weren't accomplishing much other than spend a lot of time. And, uh, it just came to my spirit that, uh, that 
we're wasting our time here that we don't have a target. We're, we're not aiming at anything. And, and then Philippians 3, 13 and 14 mm. came to mind about our pressing towards the mark. And, and my thought was in that meeting, we're not pressing towards the mark. And we need to learn how to hit the bullseyes. That's, that's how it, ah. that's how it came to me in that meeting. And years later, when, when the Lord led me to, uh, to do this full time, um, that was the name that he gave me. Bullseye, B-U-L-L-S-E-Y-E. Ministries, M-I-N-I-S-T-R-I-E-S, and the website is just that one word, www.allonewordbullseyeministries.com. So uh, you can go on that website, uh, a person can go on that website and find out more about uh, me and about the seminars that I offer and things that I do. Uh, And the email address uh, is just an abbreviation of that. It's Bullseye M I N, the Bullseye Men M I N at A T T dot net, and I can be reached uh, on that on that email address. Uh, information you found on the website is an order form on the website for ordering materials, and um, that's how I can be reached if someone who's listening would like more information about what I do and think I might be able to help them trying to accomplish in their area okay okay and 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 I, one of the things i wanted to really highlight is that this is a this is a full-time occupation for you this is not a um this is not a side gig if you will this is what you do day in day out night and day you are focused and geared towards providing value um and and, and serving the kingdom of god by ministering and really helping churches strengthen their their ministry and their their impact in the lives of men and 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 um i i think i think the the end is to show how you can really visualize making a transition from being being effective in the world but gravitating towards your spiritual purpose tell tell the listeners how you made the transition from being a successful attorney a successful trial attorney into doing bullseye ministries full time. Well, as you said, I was a trial lawyer and was involved with uh, men's ministry work, and and it just evolved. I, I started out at my church, and then I started working at other churches around the city, and then other churches around the state. And I started attending national meetings, and, and I was asked to teach at the national meetings, and people at the national meetings heard me and they started inviting me to their churches around the country and it just evolved over the years and uh, I really felt a call uh, to do this full time and uh, uh, I wrestled with God for five years about that call Uh, but in uh, January 2005 uh, he won and I began to close down my law practice and, and, and uh, so I'm coming up on eight years. Now, this, this coming January will be eight years that I've been doing this full time. But it just evolved, and, uh, and, I, and I made the step. And I, I, my testimony is that when I closed my law practice in January 2005, I had three invitations on my calendar for that whole year. I only had three invitations lined up for that year. But by the end of the year, I had been to 20 mm. places. 
and, 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 wow. and I just take that as God's confirmation that if you seek him first, he'll add. And uh, I made a decision to seek him first, and he added invitations uh, that first year. And I've been going strong ever since. And uh, the phone still rings, and the emails still pop up, and people still call. And uh, so I'm thankful to him for using me in an area uh, where I believe he's gifted me. And uh, I get so much joy out of seeing men's lives change as, as a result of, of the work of this ministry. Amen. Amen. Well, um, we are we're we are going to wrap up there. And and I just wanted to thank you once again, um, Brother Tinsley, for taking some time and, and to reaching out reaching out to to, um, to to be interviewed and for me to, to, to ask you a few questions and have this discussion tonight about the importance of, of ministering to men specifically. Um, just so another testimony about the work that you've done and, and impact this had on my life is that um, our men's ministry is now up and running at my local church and we are we are we are beginning to take the, the, the steps to impacting the lives of men not only in our church but in our community. And um, if you wouldn't mind, let me pray um, so that this is this message is received well, and and we and we glorify God with the conversation, and uh, we'll we will call that a we'll call that interview. Father God, I thank you for this evening. I thank you, God, for this day that you've blessed us with. God, I thank you for um, um, Deacon Ernest Tinsley and, and and Bullseye Ministries. Father God, I thank you for just the the powerful impact that this man is having. Um, across the country in the lives of different churches and different ministries as he goes um, about fulfilling what he feels to be and, and his call in his life, Lord God. I'm a witness to it. I see the power every time he speaks and he teaches and the impact it's had on me as he goes um, through your word and, and, and brings out those gems that show me how to be a better man. Father God, we just pray that this message is received well by those people listening, that their hearts are stirred to, to, to seek out and understand more about their role as men and, and, and the importance of men in your kingdom. Father God, help us to, to, to answer the call and, 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 and step off the sideline as men and, and, and join the game and contribute in the role that you created us for. God, help us as men um, to continue to hit the mark and, and press on towards those towards those things that we're called to do and fulfill in your kingdom these things i pray and ask humbly in your son jesus christ's name amen thank you for listening to another installment of the renewed mind podcast be sure to listen again as we endeavor to renew our minds